This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free to 1-800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Sean. Mark is out. Uh, he probably will be joining us at a later time. I guess there's a some sort of a hearing on uh, death penalty here in New Hampshire. I believe the death penalty exists, and maybe they're thinking about getting rid of it. I, I don't know. That would be a good plan. Yeah, so uh, so he's out uh, looking at that and, and involving himself in that tonight. 800-259-9231. We're going to start right out with your phone calls. But coming up, uh, plenty of stuff to talk about here tonight, including... The results of the new cigarette tax in New York City. Um, If you know anything about prohibition, you might be able to predict the results. Uh, If you don't, maybe you'll learn a thing or two. Let's go first, though, to TSA George, listening in D.C. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amp Lines. Hello, George. Hey, what's up, Ian? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, I know I'm a little slow on this. Forgive me, I'm a bureaucrat. But uh, a couple of days ago, I was listening to your podcast about um, Paul Hogan and how he's not allowed to leave Australia over tax evasion. Supposedly, they say it's, um, it owes him $30 million in taxes or something like that. Yeah, that that's right. right. The uh, the famous uh, Australian actor Paul Hogan, is they're going after him. They're actually keeping him in Australia. They've ordered him to not leave uh, the, the government or the, the zone of Australia uh, until he, they get this ironed out. And uh, George, are you on a like a, a speakerphone or something like that? Uh, no, I'm on a cell phone. Here. Okay. I'm actually in the bathroom. I'm just kind of echoing. <laughs> <laughs> hey you man, know, the, small, you, the, the small back is that better? Yeah, that's a little better. You got to do what you got to do though. So uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I was on, on the pot here. <laughs> anyway, go ahead with your uh, with your thoughts. Oh yeah, you said um, that. That he, he like why don't he just get leave any time like that like there's no um like you can't really leave Australia the way you can leave the U.S. though. What um, do you mean? Speaking from experience, since I was there three years back, mm-hmm. you actually have an immigration um you know line just like an immigration line. You go there and you see a you know th- their immigration person so they can stamp you out and that's everyone's citizens and um, t- tourists alike. So they don't they don't do that in the United States. I've never flown internationally. I've uh, I've been on a couple of cruises, but I've never actually yeah, gone when anywhere you, else. When you're flying out, when you're flying out of the U.S. at any U.S. airport, um, you know you just go to the gate, you know, and and you know you like always oh, just free to leave per se physically. Hmm. But when you're at the international, they have uh, every airport's got an international terminal and, an, right. and a regular domestic terminal. So like two airports in the same space. So there's no way to get out from the airports, at least, unless you perhaps maybe go to a private airport and fly out on a private plane. Um, I'm guessing that might be a way around that, or uh, or you know, put yourself on or a cargo a ship. Yeah, sailboat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're, you're not going to walk out of Australia, that's for sure. Certainly not. Nope. Hey, thanks for the info on that, George. Anything else you want to share tonight? Just that I'm probably uh, when I'm in New York City uh, six weeks from now, I'm going to leave back to that country and New Zealand, by the way. I'm going to see New Zealand, too. Uh, I'll probably go, they're going to be just selling a, selling a pack of cigarettes at price I paid just as a little dis- yeah, we'll give you some more information about that coming up, and I thank you for the call tonight. Let's talk to Greg in Massachusetts. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Greg. 
Greg, Massachusetts going once. Greg in Massachusetts going twice. Do we have Greg? Yeah. There he is. Oh, Greg, you're on the air. You, you there now? Yes, okay, sir. Sorry about Go that. for it. No uh, problem. So I live in Boston right now, but I did grow up in Cleveland, Ohio. And I want to talk a little bit about what's been going on there this week because two years ago, actually, while I was still living there, 150 FBI agents raided the county offices and local businessmen and homes. And between then and now, 35 people were arrested and pled guilty to various corruption and bribery schemes. However, no major officials had been arrested or charged until this week, and it's getting interesting. So I want to talk about what's going on there. Yeah, what's, what's um, all that about? Yeah, so the county auditor today pled guilty in court to 21 counts of corruption. Uh, to give you an idea, in one scheme alone, he made $1.2 million dollars in kickbacks, um, you know, classic boss tweed scheme where basically, you know, that he gives the county gives a lucrative contract to someone and they give him money, free mm. home repairs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Nice. Uh, so he's going to go to jail for 21 years, which at 60 years old may be a life sentence for him. But what, what, when things really got interesting was when Jimmy Demora, who was a former Democratic Party chair of the county and one of the county commissioners, got arrested. Um, he, he's pleading not guilty. He's determined to fight this to the end. But it came out that not only was he taking millions of dollars in bribes, he actually traded contracts for hookers in Las Vegas. Hmm. Um, and more interesting, though, the day they arrested him, something happened which they were not expecting, which was two judges from the county got arrested because they took bribes from Frank Russo to help out the people who were bribing Frank wow. Russo were caught up in court cases. So you How got- did this crack? How did this case crack? Because it sounds to me like these kind of stories, I think, are a little more common than are otherwise revealed because typically these good old boys are all in together. And as you're saying here, I mean, this corruption is all across the, the, the county government or the city government. And uh, so I, you just what, I, well, you wonder what happened. What, what led them to, yeah. uh, to uncover this in the first place? So there were a few things that garnered their attention. One of them, there's number one was the county sold a piece of property to Forest City Enterprises for $400,000. And later, the county bought that same piece of property back from them for $3 million. That raised a red flag. And the second mm. issue that raised a red flag here is that um, the FBI had undercover agents going around to Cleveland City building inspectors, offering them bribes to mark buildings as being dilapidated or whatever way these, you know, fictitious companies the FBI agents were working for could buy them for cheaper. And the uh, inspectors accepted the bribes. And when they investigated that, it led them all the way up to the highest levels of county government. But Interesting. what I will say at the end of this is, you know, of course, the FBI, now that they made the arrest, is, on TV, championing about how this is the end of an era of corruption. The citizens about how glad they are that they can move on and how you know the new form of county government will be so much better. And I'll say this, because Jimmy DeMora, the other pinhead of this, is um, he's fighting this in court, declaring himself innocent. And you know what? I decided I hope he walks away scot-free, because if he walks away, only if he walks away scot-free, Will the people in that county actually realize how bad they are getting screwed by government in every state, every single day? Mm. If he is convicted and goes to jail, 
it's another, you know, the FBI wins, right? They can claim that they've put corruption to an end. So screw it. Let the guy walk free. Huh. That's very interesting. And I, I would hope that uh, if you if you find out what happens to that guy, you'll you'll let us know down the line, because I, I think it's a curious story. And I don't know if if that guy is is let walk. I don't know if that'll do anything. I mean, because, OK, maybe these Americans that you're talking about will come to the conclusion in that case that, huh, looks like they didn't root out the corruption after all. They let old Jimmy uh, walk. Uh, so that means that somebody got bought off or, or whatever. And and uh, so, oh, well, you know. Better keep paying property taxes. Wouldn't want these corrupt, evil men to actually target us with any kind of uh, retribution or retaliation. So I don't know if it matters so much as to whether or not Americans believe that uh, the government is corrupt. I think that a lot of Americans understand that. I mean, you can ask people the question, uh, you know, how do you know politicians lying? Uh, Well, when their lips are moving. Most people get that joke and they think it's (laughs) funny. And that's because they know that politicians lie. And they've been lied to time and time again. And they've seen corruption stories hit the news all across the country in many cases it, it does hit locally and and despite all that people still pay they still obey and that's really the that's really the crux of this issue well they, they still believe the politicians when they're campaigning they still it's amazing think isn't the it? campaign promises mean anything hey greg thanks for the call and the thoughts tonight i appreciate the story at 800-259-9231 i want to focus a little bit more on this uh people and what they believe about government versus what they do about government and uh, it comes kind of ties back into the the voting issue which we haven't really addressed uh, significantly and i want to come back to that here in a moment 800-259-9231 but you can bring up anything in 2010 you were fighting for your rights in 2019 we are fighting for our lives the last illusions of economic stability have shattered revealing the financial dystopia that lies beneath the surface the federal reserve has run out of lies and out of time those who stand for liberty will right their wrongs or die trying get involved with the epic animated feature-length film silver circle at silvercirclemovie.com just remember when they control the money they control everything what you want just dial in toll free at 800-259-9231 that's the SACL CAI toll free line 1-800-259-9231 join us online freetalklive.com got live streams we've got listen lines live streams listen lines 24 hours a day the latest episode of free talk live is available to you to stream live to your ears you can go to listen.freetalklive.com and you can enjoy the uh, the broadband version of the show, or maybe you don't have the greatest internet connection in the world, you can use our dial-up uh, connection or our dial-up uh, stream as well. Plus, listen lines, if you don't have any inter- internet connection, you can just call up with any phone that can dial long distance and you can listen that way. Go to listen.freetalklive.com to learn more. That's listen.freetalklive.com. And are you frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Are you tired of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? Well, if you knew that thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? You can. You can join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. And so last night we kind of had a, a brief recap of some political success up here in New Hampshire. was talking about how uh, as, as frustrating as the political system is for me, I find it to be a very poor way of achieving any kind of semblance of uh, increased liberty yeah i just find it 
kind of boring myself. Oh, it's incredibly dull. And, and there's a reason for that, right? Because these people that are involved in the corruption that Greg was talking about earlier, which I believe is rife throughout the system. And of course it is, right? The system is based on violence. The government is an inherently violent institution. It is the violent monopoly, as Barack Obama has said. Uh, and so, of course, you're going to find corruption throughout uh, the different levels of government, right? Well, well, the entire incentive structure is is wrong. They get their money no matter how good a job they do. So why do they really need to even care about it? No, they don't. They don't care. You, uh, you, you know, you just keep paying. That's what's important to them, and they'll do whatever they feel like with it because they. They know they can usually get away with it. When you get this wide-cutting uh, corruption probe like uh, Greg was talking about earlier that happened in Ohio, it's very unusual when that news hits. Not because corruption's unusual, but because it's just unusual that get, they get caught. Well, sometimes it's just so obvious. Right? The, the, the deal he said was something like... Uh, they sold the property for three hundred thousand and bought it back for, for three, four million, million, th- three million. Four million, four million. Yeah, that, I'm sorry, <laughs> a thousand percent return rate just does not happen. Yeah, there's definitely a bit of corruption there. So, um, so the the, you know, the Free State Project is a bunch of liberty-minded people that are coming together. Uh, they're joining in from all around the country, around the world, even to move to New Hampshire and get active for freedom. And that means different things. It means getting active for uh, in politics and doing other things like outside the system stuff, like civil disobedience or or uh, creating your own media, that kind of thing. So we're we're seeing some amazing success even at this early stage, despite all the detractors that might be out there. I think things are going pretty well. But one of the issues that uh, is sometimes controversial amongst the liberty community is the issue of voting and as to whether or not it is a good idea. Is it moral uh, to vote? And I got this email in here from, I don't know if I should say who it's from, but it's from, uh, it's from a friend of the show. And he writes, first, I hope all is well in Keene. And he goes on to say that uh, he looks forward to, to being back here in Keene. Uh, I wanted to email you about the whole thing for Andrew Carroll. I get that freekeen.com would cover it because it's Keene news. But my question is, why would you decide to vote as well as encourage others to in any election? If I misunderstood this action, please accept my apology. We've had conversations about the folks uh, in uh, Agorist Acres voting, and I thought we had the same conclusions on that matter. I know everyone has to use the state at some point, whether that be roads, public property, or RV dumps for that matter. But voting and anarchism, no matter the flavor you subscribe to, just don't mix, in my mind. Would it not be safe to state that helping someone get elected would be to promote force, theft, and violence? It certainly could be said, but um, sometimes there actually is a principled candidate who actually will try to do the right thing. And I would certainly make that statement about Andrew Carroll. I was not able to vote for him myself. I don't live in the district, mm-hmm. but that would have. But had I been here, I would have gone through the trouble of registering. And you wouldn't have felt so. like you were endorsing violence by by giving the system a vote. No, I don't think so. I've, You're not endorsing the the inherent violence in the system by granting it legitimacy in some well, way. Well, how do they know that I endorsed it? How do they know that I voted? It's, how do they know who I voted for? It's a secret ballot. It, yeah. They, well, they, they, they can. No they do check you off as to whether or not you voted. That okay. may be. That but, information may be public. I don't know how public that is. But, but they also don't know uh, if you actually 
right. Yeah, they certainly don't know for whom you voted, and they don't know you could have just taken the ballot in and not filled anything in on it. So certainly, I could, don't know I that. could have gone in and filled in my own name for every position and dropped it in the box. It's not going to win me an election, but uh, right. But the allegation is that it's it's an endorsement of the system. And I think that's, it jumps to a conclusion. I think that, that that jumps to the conclusion that anybody sees it that way. I think that the only person, the only, the only people that are likely to see someone voting as an endorsement of the system is somebody who is, you know, the most principled kind of anarchist out there. They're going to be the ones that look at that and say, oh, you've endorsed the system. But everybody else just looks at it as, oh, this is voting. Right? So does anybody who's not an anarchist or an agorist or whatever, somebody who's like completely outside of the system, does anybody who's not really educated to that uh, mindset ever look at voting and casting a vote as, oh yeah, that person fully endorses the system that uh, that they voted for? Well, voting voting doesn't necessarily imply endorsement. It can certainly be done defensively. Uh, some In some cases, it may be the only weapon you have against the state if uh, short of uh, straight-up non-compliance and putting yourself in a jail cell, which is not an option for everybody. You're right. It's it's the easy way out, right? I mean, it's the non-activist way of trying desperately within this uh, rigged system to make changes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not embracing voting with all of my heart and saying this is a solution for freedom. No. I think that voting is a rigged system. I think it's just like a game that they set up that they allow you to play to give you the illusion that you're actually going to change something. I don't go into the voting booth believing that uh, that casting the vote there is going to do anything. Even in local elections, I still don't really believe it's going to do much. I certainly I won't bother with a federal election. I, I don't care about that. I know that nothing will no difference shall be made with one vote no, uh, in that election and nothing I, can be done in that one right all. and on top of that i don't participate in the federal government so be i feel it would be wrong of me uh to uh, to, to cast a vote in those elections that, that that i do feel wrong about doing but on a local basis i do pay the, the local criminal gang i do go uh, every half a year and shell out thousands of dollars because I'm not ready to stop. You know, I'm not ready to take that level of risk. At some day, at some point, man, it gets harder and harder to pay that money every time, let me tell you. So at some point, I might just be ready to stop, in which case, then I don't know how I'd, I would feel about voting. Although, even if I were paying 60% or 40% of the tax bill, I'd still feel like I, I could go ahead and vote at that point. So I want to con- continue here. And your thoughts are welcome at 800-259-9231. Is voting an endorsement of the system? And... Would not voting change anything? I don't think so. And I'll explain why here in a few moments. And there's evidence that uh, not voting does not change anything. 800-259-9231, if that's enough double negatives. 1-800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves. Free Talk Live. American patriots, would you like to spend a day or two with other freedom-loving Americans? Learn rifle marksmanship while hearing the real story behind the American Revolution? If you said yes, then the Appleseed program is for you. Part shooting school, part oral history lesson, Appleseed has trained thousands of Americans nationwide. And with hundreds of shoots scheduled this year, you can be sure there's one near you. For more information, go to AppleseedInfo.org. That's AppleseedInfo.org. This 
This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free, bring up anything, 800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Sean is falling asleep Sean, in his mic. Sorry. Uh, Sean is here, and we'll take your calls about anything at 800-259-9231. No chatting with a girlfriend while you're on the air, Sean. No, no, no. This is actually my <laughs> wife showed up in the chat room, too. So, <laughs> Oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah, we do have a chat room, by the way. You can go to cam.freetalklive.com. You can interact and watch the show at the same time. You can watch, listen, and chat with other folks uh, all there over at cam.freetalklive.com. And it's all brought to you by Memory Dealers. It's free. Uh, thanks to MemoryDealers.com, they offer the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zenpacks, and X2s. They're 100, uh, 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off-list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. They're your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs. MemoryDealers.com, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. That's MemoryDealers.com. So, we're going to continue here. An email came in from a friend of the show, and he's talking about voting. And he's one of these guys that is just completely outside the system. I will not vote because I believe there's something inherently wrong with it, that, uh, that, that voting is an endorsement of the system. And... I found this at one point to be a persuasive argument and have since uh, I've since rejected it. And I think that as long as there is coercion going on, as long as the government people are forcing us into their system that we don't want to be involved in. It's not that I don't want to have the roads paid for or anything like that. I don't mind paying for services I receive. I just don't like being forced to pay for it. That's yeah. that's my issue. Yeah, I'd really rather be able to choose which services I want to pay for. Right. I do not use the public schools. If I had children, I would not use the public schools. And I don't have an so objection to education. I just no. have an objection to government education, and I would rather support education on a, uh, with voluntary means through consent. So as long as coercion is being used, the government's uh, system allows for a very small amount of uh, opportunity to change it. Every two to four years, you get the chance to cast one market signal uh, for the government. Because normally in the, the marketplace, you're given the opportunity to have an unlimited amount of market signals. There, everything you do is a market signal. When you go shop somewhere, you know, you're know you sending a signal that you you think the, the deal is good enough to make a, make the purchase, uh, or if you have a problem, you can talk to management anytime you want. And if they don't take action, you can go to the competitor. I mean, there's all kinds of signals that market actors, stores and businesses and individuals and things like that, are receiving. Government, not so much. Not so much. It's usually just the elections is pretty much the only time when uh, they will acknowledge the market signals. And even that is questionable because, well, are the elections rigged? They could very well be. We've certainly seen plenty of stories about the voting machines. <laughs> what was it? They, yeah. uh, they, they hacked one, uh, put Pac-Man on it uh, without <laughs> I, even... Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. That, was, that was incredible. So, yeah, there's a lot of stories like that. So as long as there's, being, uh, as long as there's force being employed upon me, I don't have any problem with involving myself to whatever level I feel is appropriate in their system. And sometimes being in the system doesn't mean you have to do things as they've always been done. For instance, I tried to run as uh, as a candidate for mayor last year as nobody 
because nobody. Yes. Yeah, they'll they'll allow you to put. Uh, well, it's supposed to allow you to put a uh, a nickname in between your first and last name. So I put the nickname nobody in there. Now they of course came up with reasons why I couldn't do that, but nonetheless, it made for some good blog posts. It made for you know a little bit of controversy, and uh, you know I, I milked it for everything that it was worth. And had I been allowed to actually get on the ballot as nobody, that would have been even uh, even more fun. Well, because, certainly. I mean, uh, everybody knows nobody keeps promises and nobody is honest. Yeah. You could do stuff like that. Great campaign slogans. And, uh, and of course, it pokes fun at the system. So that, that was an in-the-system thing. But it wasn't the way things are normally done. And the candidate that ran here in Keene uh, just recently, Andrew Carroll, is, a, is an out-and-out anarchist. I mean, the guy admits that he publicly that he's, he's an anarchist. How could I not support a candidacy like that? And I contributed uh, financially to his campaign, and I was actually able to successfully go out and cast a vote. He didn't win, but there have been times uh, up here in New Hampshire where the the turnout has been so low that one vote has made a difference. Sure, that, that is that you know. There's no denying that those situations can exist on a smaller scale. Does it again? Does it mean I endorse the system? No. It's just a it's just a way to have some minor level of uh, of an effect. But more more so than that, it's also about getting the word out about freedom. Because if you've got a political candidate who's running for office on a principled message of let's get rid of the government or ninety five percent principled, I mean, there's always it's politics, so yeah. some people are gonna. Not necessarily go all the way, but if you've got somebody that's really, really out there with a message of liberty, then that helps. It helps to have them inside the system because, well, whether you like it or not, the system means something to people. Sure. They pay I mean, attention. The, the Ron Paul campaign brought a lot of attention to the ideas of liberty, and I'm sure it brought on a few people who now call themselves anarchists. So. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I've met some of them. I mean, uh, uh, some of them have come to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project because they found the Ron Paul campaign. Because, you know, you find Ron Paul, you find Free Talk Live, you find the Free State Project or something like that. Or you find Ron Paul and his speech at the Free State Project yeah. convention, etc. Yeah. Start with an idea and, and as you explore it, you find more and better ideas. It, it's, it wasn't Ron Paul, it was uh, Ayn Rand who got me started. But yeah, within the course of Less than a year, I went from a, a pretty much a small government minarchist constitutionalist to a full-fledged anarchist. That's an, ama- that's an amazing transition, in my opinion. I mean, for a lot of people, that takes years. So the information that's available now makes it so that that transition can happen faster for people. So ignoring this venue for literally uh, f- next to free attention, uh, here in New Hampshire, it's two bucks to run for a city council seat here in Keene, or, or if you want to run for a state house, I think that's also $2.00. It's not a big investment in in the state, right? To uh, to put this money in there, and in return for that, you get a news. You know, you probably get a newspaper article about you, or you get interviewed on a local talk show, and you get to watch the status squirm. I mean, these people were freaking out about Andrew Carroll running as a Democrat. They had a coordinated campaign to to do everything they could to stop Andrew Carroll from possibly making it to the general election. They. I, it's my understanding 
that at their meetings they they agreed to you know write letters to the editor the 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 democrat insiders the establishment democrats were writing letters to the editor about how this de- Andrew Carroll is an imposter and he's not a real democrat and don't vote for Andrew Carroll whatever you do and they're handing out flyers on voting day recommending that people vote for just the establishment candidates and they're calling talk radio with just sad sad desperation in their voices because they're worried. So what are they going to do in two years' time when uh, Andrew Carroll runs his second campaign and some other principled anarchist decides, you know what, this worked really well for Andrew Carroll, I'm going to do it too. If it's the same eight, they have eight possible choices for seven seats, then one of them is going to get in. Well, no, they can they can have more than eight. They can have yeah, fifteen. I know they can have however seven. many they'd like. But so it just uh, all depends. If nobody signs up to run, well, hey. that's that's another thing, right? Because they, uh, when I was talking with one of the the candidates out of the polls, she was being very nicey nice, and she's the same woman who was handing out flyers against Andrew Carroll earlier in the day, from what I understand. She was, oh yeah, Andrew, I liked a lot of what he had to say. I said, well, you know what. Uh, she go, she went on. She said, it's just too bad he didn't work with us. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? Well, uh, he didn't show up to our meetings. I said, well, as I understanding, you tried to keep him out of the meetings, or at least somebody tried to keep him out of those meetings. Oh, I, that, was someone, that was somebody else. So, you know, not that she had anything to do with that. I don't, yeah. know, if that's, I don't know if that's the case. Uh, but that would be another thing. Have uh, more liberty activists get in, inside the uh, party politics here and, uh, you know, cause a little bit of uh, stir and a little bit of commotion in there. That's a possibility, too. So I think there are a lot of untapped... Uh, possibilities at least happening here as far as politics is concerned here in the keen area there's a lot more going on around the rest of the state more on uh, voting your thoughts are welcome at 800-259-9231 do you have a product or service that you can sell to a national audience free talk live is a nationally syndicated talk show on more than 80 talk radio stations from alaska to florida we've been named talkers magazine's heavy hundred list that's the hundred most important radio talk shows in the nation twice and the number one political podcast on podcastawards.com four out of the last five years you can have access to our 80 plus stations and our large and loyal podcast audience for as little as 500 dollars a month contact me mark at freetalklive.com This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial in via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features on the site for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com, and those features include things like our news updates. You get signed up. And we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Go to news.freetalklive.com. Get on the lists. There are lists. There's the updates option where you can get them via email. You can follow our Twitter or Facebook. So different ways for you to get the information to your eyeballs. Go to news.freetalklive.com. As uh, we're going to take a break from the voting discussion, we'll come back to it because uh, I want to know what what happens to the legitimacy of the state if, indeed, in the fantasy of the uh, of the outside the system uh, zealot, no one votes. Let's continue here uh, with that in a moment. But first, go to Mango calling from New York. Mango, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Ian. Thanks what? so much for the show. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, What's on your mind tonight? Thanks for the call. Go ahead. Um. I, I personally, I've had these arguments with many people, and I think that voting is 
is a better solution because nothing will change if you don't vote. As you, well, I don't saying. know if that's true. I don't know if it's true that nothing will well, change if you don't vote. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, it's a, it's an extra power that you have, and it, even if you're not voting for anyone, you're sending more of a vote than not voting at all. Do you know what I mean? If you keep it blank, at least you. Anyway, I don't think that does much of anything if you, if you keep it blank, and I don't think it's much power in the first place. I just don't think it's endorsing violence to vote. I don't. I don't have a moral uh, qualm with it. I think it's just a, a you know a game that they allow you to play. I, I agree with that, but um, I was calling about this. Uh, another, I'm calling about the private property issue. Uh, uh, from a few days ago? Sure. The question of what is private property or how can it be... Uh, well, what is your, um, I guess, your specific issue with it? Well, I've been listening to you guys for years now, and uh, I love the show a lot, but I I guess I'm a different type, more of a, a lefty anarchist uh, than the... You know, I believe in free markets, too, but I, I'm kind of confused about it. Because the private property issue, I don't really, I don't see how that's, like, humans are, are a social animal, first of all. Mm-hmm. And, like, compartmentalizing and, and dividing up all the land, you know, I like the idea of being able to go into the woods, you know, like if someone owns 100 acres, I don't see how that's, it's right for him to keep me off his land if he's not using it. Or, you know what I'm saying? I feel like that just... Because all, right now there's millions of people that have money, ill-gained, Ill you know, that gotten from hundreds of years ago, like kings or, yeah, c- or whatever, uh, the, and they the... own a ton of land. Yeah, and, so, certainly uh, current property is uh, poorly distributed and, and would need to be redistributed in a free market, but the market should be the process for that. Uh, if And how do you know the land isn't used? What if it's uh, somebody wants a nature preserve and they're, they're, it looks unused to you, but to them it's it's environmental protection? I agree. No, I understand that. It just, it's a difficult... It is difficult. I, you I know, it's very you. difficult, and I think that as it is right now with no trespassing and, and stuff like that for huge pieces of land, I think, like, if, for instance, in Haiti right now, there are rich people that own 90% of everything, and everyone's stuffed in little tent houses, and they're getting kicked out of there. But they, have, they don't even have uh, water to drink. Well, Haiti's you know, not an example of uh, of a free marketplace and how things would work ideally no, in that situation. I think that uh, in a in a free market, uh, there we don't know exactly what would happen because we've never experienced it. So it's hard to predict exactly how property ownership might shift, that how things might change in the absence right. of the monopoly uh, violent control over things. I mean, you acknowledged what what Sean was talking about, where if somebody wants to keep a piece of property pristine and doesn't want human beings to touch it, then uh, then you would be you'd be violating that person's wishes by coming in. Uh, through their no trespassing signs. Well, on the other hand, there may be people who would buy property together, like, you know, communal uh, group that could get together and, and buy a big swath of land and say, come on in. You know, so there could be the, the entire reverse of that uh, of that opportunity. And I can tell you that buying a plot of land 
<laughs> where there's nothing around isn't an expensive proposition in most places. I mean, if you're if you're not buying it on a main drag in in the town limits or whatever, if you're out in the woods, it's it's not going to be a whole lot of money. So getting together with other people would mean that you could go in and get this property fairly cheap. And then if that's really what your belief is, you've got acres and acres and acres. You can advertise it online, you know, free acres. Come on in and throw your right. tent down or start building your log cabin. And, and then you guys would figure out how to, how to handle that. So I think under the private property paradigm, you could have a variety of different options. But I also understand where you're coming from. And that was kind of what my position was because Mark was coming from this very firm property rights viewpoint where you can right. own things for that are huge in perpetuity and do nothing with them uh i i think that i understand your frustration in that you've got somebody that owns hundreds of acres and whether or not they uh, it, maybe it's not intended to be a nature preserve maybe it's just they're owning it with the hope that someday someone will want to buy it from them and until then they're just going to sit on it that's frustrating i mean because how many generations does that get to go uh, how many hundreds of years can that property sit there when it could be put to uh, to a better use but then again who decides what a better use is well and you get into some really sticky issues well uh, uh, the decision as to a better use would be whichever use more matches the desires of consumers whichever use produces more money if if i've got a use for if somebody has a piece of land and they're not really using it and i've got a great idea that could use that land and generate a profit i can get a larger loan to purchase that land from whoever currently owns it and then put it to whatever productive use uh, would be best. Yeah. You, you might be able to get in and get it really cheap as well, and then you wouldn't have to wait however many, another few matters. I mean, if it turned out that the marketplace decided there, there was going to be some sort of rule that uh, allowed after a certain number of X number of years of no one doing anything with a, with a piece of property that it'd be somehow open season, which I don't know if that right. rule would ever come about because it all depends on what the market would want. Uh, but if that rule were to ever come about, it would still make more sense for you to uh, expedite the process by just making an offer on a piece of land. I mean, if I'm sitting on a bunch of property and I'm not using it for anything, then I might want to turn it into some cash if somebody came and, and made the offer. Well, there would be, need well, to be some sort of situation for abandoned property, certainly. That's I, what I'm talking but, about, right. How What would the parameters be around abandoned property in the marketplace? I think that remains to be determined. Yeah, definitely. Well, I know personally uh, somebody who squatted a building here in New York City <laughs> uh, back in... Uh, early 90s and uh they they hooked this building up beautifully and it was it hadn't been lived in for many many years and uh recently the mayor sold it the building to them for a dollar or something really just so that they would just so they would taxes on it hmm. and um you know that was one way to just so people wouldn't go nuts in the street or whatever and you know uh i Right, I think there's a legitimacy to that because because you got situations you mentioned abandoned property Sean like if the owner dies there there may be not an, there may not be a will and in the uh, in the absence of the state because right now the 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 idea of the state means that uh, these gangsters get to come in and take all your stuff if you don't right. have a legal document that is a- applicable to their system that will uh distribute your property if somebody doesn't have that or it can't be found or whatever you've got abandoned property and then there's got to be something some way to to handle that and and Maybe people just coming on there and, and homesteading it is an appropriate way to do that. So I, I don't think that, you know, again, it all depends on what the market's looking for. And the market is the aggregate of all of the people that are in it and what their decisions are. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out 
But I know that uh, today's situation where we own nothing uh, and it's all just the illusion of ownership because the criminal gang can come in and tax us for it is less than desirable. Yeah, don't buy any property in New York. We got a lot of. uh, I wanted wanted to bring up really quick. I don't know if you've ever heard of the commune in Denmark called uh, Christiania. I have not, no. Never heard of it, no. Did you want to tell us about it? I think we lost his call. I think we lost his call. Thanks for the call. Interesting uh, discussion. 800-259-9231. So voting back to the, to the, to that discussion here for just a, just a little bit more. Uh, If no one votes, does that mean the system is no longer legitimate? Um, Because the argument of the, uh, one of the arguments of the anti-voting crowd is that you're legitimizing the system by casting a ballot. Well, the system's not legitimate to begin with, so... I see what you mean. But in the peop- in people's minds, it does have legitimacy, right? I mean, from our perspective, it doesn't because it's violence. But in, in many people's minds, this is our system. Well, if nobody votes, then does that mean no one is endorsing the system? Will it disappear? Uh, more coming up. Eight to hour two's on the way. Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet! And get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. is Free Talk Live. We're kicking into the uh, second hour of the program. You can take control of the airwaves. Just dial in toll-free. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line 1-800-259-9231. Joining you tonight, it's Ian. And Sean. And Mark. Mark, back from the uh, death penalty hearing that was uh, happening here in New Hampshire. And you said it was uh, pretty... Amazing, right? What some of the people were saying in there? It really was. Uh, I, you know, I, I I didn't expect to speak on this, but I, it was a full house. Uh, there must have been probably the the rows were ten long. I, there must have been two hundred people in there that were there. This mm. is a you know a meeting for the the they were bureaucrat people to come and uh, talk to the that pretend like they're listening to the the little folks out right. here and uh, act like they care and yeah i i don't know maybe some of them did maybe some of them didn't i don't, I don't know what uh, the, the case was but i'll tell you there were some really um uh, profound and touching uh, stories that were told up at that microphone i went up relatively quickly and i was in the front row i, I like front rows I, i'm vain what do you want and they <laughs> I, I I told my story and and of course being a convicted murderer and things like that that always catches people's attention especially mm-hmm. situations like this I don't wear that as a, some kind of badge but in instances where it's important might I, as well use it I talk about it 
But what I found to be the the most uh, uh, stunning uh, delivery was the woman who whose daughter had been shot in her face uh, during a uh, home burglary situation and, oh, no. um, uh, you know, tr- of course, tragically died. And oh. she said that she was pleased that in this circumstance, the, the perpetrator would not be facing the death penalty because here in New Hampshire, only law enforcement officer, if you kill a law enforcement officer, will you face the death penalty. They're, they're, they're better. And um, the, the, by the way, the chief of police, uh, former chief of police of Marlboro, came up and spoke out against that aspect of it, that how, how dare they uh, have it uh, you know, for one group and, and not really? for the other. Of course, he's against the death penalty entirely because he believes that people are, are flawed and that the system is flawed. And that This is a cop, a former cop? Former chief of police wow. of uh, Marlboro, New Hampshire. That's amazing. Like I said, stunning. Yeah. All this stuff, stunning. There wasn't a single person that spoke uh, in favor of, of the, the death penalty. You're kidding. I, uh, I, no, they went through. I was only there for the first four rows. Um, yeah. They, there, were, there were several rows to go after that. Wow, that's incredible. It would be very tough to stand up um, and in support of the death penalty after. What, I say kill him. 20 people yeah. had done otherwise with so many um, profound stories. The chief of police. I say bring back the guillotine. Right. Well, you know. Public hangings. I, I, I tried to address the issue, the emotional issues, when I spoke about uh, you know how would how would you feel uh, if your loved one had been uh, you know killed and 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 the the murderer gets to live in, in prison in a relatively you know peaceful life. Um, and so I I spoke to that, and I think that that that's the first thing that everybody always says. And I guess the the question I'd have is, what if your relative was wrongfully convicted and had to sit on death row for the or had to had to be executed? Mm-hmm. Because this happens, uh, two more than two hundred people have been executed in the United, uh, excuse me, released from death row in the United States since nineteen seventy three or something like that. Which means to me that there, are, you know, obviously the the system's flawed. That means there's people sitting on death row right now. That means that the p- people have been executed. Since, Innocent people have died since the seventies when it was brought back. And to deny that is really to deny facts. Yep. The question you have to ask yourself is how many innocent people are you willing to execute? Um, how many? You know, in order to get the the guilty guys. So is it is it one innocent person for every ten guilty people? Is is that a, a, a reasonable threshold for you? Because I can tell you that's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing for an innocent person to have to deal with. So is life in prison, but at least it's reversible. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, I I pointed out that, uh, that, that you know how would you feel if if this was you? And uh, you know the the deterrent factor to me just seems so silly. I also pointed out that the the victims of crimes really aren't going to be made whole by an execution. That you. You could take the, uh, the the guilty party. You could um, execute them. You could set them on fire. You could take the ashes and spread them all over the earth. Doesn't do something terrible. Throw them yeah. in a volcano. It's not going to bring the injured party back. And I'm sorry. And it, you know, it's it's tragic. It's unfortunate. But un, you know that's what we've got. And as um, also when you look at the, the the states with the death penalty or the states with the highest murder rates per capita. The death penalty, it seems, hmm. I mean, you could make this assumption, this is a jump in logic, you could choose to take this jump, that the death penalty says to people that it, under certain circumstances it's okay to kill people. So now you can find those circumstances for yourself. Well, the death penalty was, for me, one of the uh, most difficult ideas to, to reconcile with myself coming to the ideas of liberty. I, I used to support the death penalty. Same here. And I used to think, well, if you 
got a guy who murdered somebody and you kill him, he's not going to murder anybody else. Indeed. And that's probably the most practical uh, idea. But what that actually says is that the that the you're you're saying you're saying the flawed system is flawed. So we have to execute people. So obviously, some of the people that you're going to execute must not be guilty because if you have to if you have to kill somebody in order to prevent them from say getting out of prison and killing someone again then it shows that the system is flawed that it might release guilty people yeah that that is definitely important and the the fact that uh, not only does the victim not get any kind of restitution or the family of the victim in most of, most death penalty cases, they actually have to pay to cover the costs of housing this person. Sure. They have to pay to cover the costs of executing this person. And executions are 10 times, as I understand, and that's a, that's a very conservative number, 10 times more expensive than life in prison because of all the mandatory uh, appeals and all that stuff. You're never going to get rid of that. You're never going to create a system where we run them through like a meat grinder um, in order to and and obviously you're going to find you're going to find uh, more more miscarriages of justice if you did such a thing, but I, I you know it's difficult for me to feel badly for somebody who has committed a legitimate murder. However, I um, I think that there's arguments to be made on that side. But uh, you know, to me, from a practical standpoint, you're never going to you're never going to remove the mistakes that the system makes when it comes yeah. to the death penalty and well and plus also from a kind of a moral standpoint violence doesn't solve violence even if you could get 100% of the right people 100% of the time as far as catching the actual criminal uh, you're embracing their methods by by putting those people to death you you've become the killer uh, in that in that particular case, and I think there's I think there's something wrong uh, with that. And people can change, right? It's, I mean, it's true, and I, this is something that I missed. And I guess I have a bigger podium here than I did there. Um, well, you I, only probably had a few minutes. I would, imagine. <laughs> I would like to 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 point out that. It's the, the Constitution outlaws cruel and, un, cruel and unusual punishment. Yes, I understand that you nor I um, get to interpret the Constitution. However, let's talk about cruel and unusual punishment for a minute. What's the worst way to die in the United States of America? Well, that's a tough question. As slowly as possible. Okay. Yeah. Like, who wants to, to lie on a deathbed eaten up with cancer for 10 years, right? I don't think anybody would, right? Now compare that to sitting on death row. You don't get to leave. You have the threat of death hanging over you from sometime between 10 and 20 years. I mean, this is the worst way you can die currently, and you can't tell me that's not cruel and unusual. That's mm-hmm. cruel. You've picked the, the, cruel, the worst way to die, and you're, you're killing them that way. It seems to me that uh, the you know if you could cr- create a perfect system where you could execute people the next day that they were found guilty, and of course you could only execute you know guilty people which is a fantasy situation this is why this is why i gave up on it because you have to do all these what ifs and and all these gesticulations all this uh, contortionists in uh, contortions in your mind in order to justify justify this uh, this punishment which really has no point the fact is inmates kill themselves which says to me that life in prison stinks yeah. well one other thing that i've heard and i don't know the veracity of this, but it's something like Iran, Saudi Arabia, China, Afghanistan, Iraq, and the United States yeah. that have the death penalty. Yeah, it's uh, basically it's barbaric. Yeah, of, of there aren't any other industri- industrialized nations. You know, the big the big ones, the uh, mm-hmm. the ones that we would call civilized that do it. It's just not. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just it, it's not. 
toll-free number tonight. You're welcome to comment on the death penalty or whatever is on your mind. We were talking about voting earlier, and I had one more point uh, that I really wanted to focus on about that. 800-259-9231. The old uh, question mark has come up about voting and whether or not it's uh, an endorsement of violence, etc., and so on. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL-CAI toll-free line. What happens... If you're endorsing the system with your vote, as some would like uh, us to believe, then what happens when no one votes? Does the system shrivel up and disappear because no one's in giving it so-called legitimacy anymore? We'll find out here in a moment. 800-259-9231. You take control. Bring up anything. Free Talk Live. MemoryDealers.com offers the world's largest selection of discounted optical transceivers, including SFPs, GBICs, XFPs, Zimpax, and X2s, that are 100% compatible with all major networking equipment manufacturers, including Cisco, 3Com, Foundry, Alcatel, and HP, at up to 99% off list price. Memory Dealers can also offer customized solutions for your transceiver requirements, including private labeling. Memory Dealers is your trusted source for all your networking and telecom accessory needs, in stock and ready to ship via overnight delivery. MemoryDealers.com This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features there, and they're free, including the shrine of female listeners to the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send in their validated photo or video showing they are listeners of the program. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com, see it, or become part of the shrine. If you're a lady listener, the details are there at shrine.freetalklive.com. How would you like to see Nancy Pelosi with her bags packed heading back to San Francisco? Eh, she probably won't go back to live there anyway. She's probably got someplace else that she wants to live. But how would you like to see her kicked out of Washington, D.C.? Well, that's not going to happen by you wishing. However, there is a very principled uh, Republican running against Nancy in uh, the San Francisco area who has a very good chance of winning. Yes, I know Republicans are going to have a very difficult time winning in San Francisco. This is no ordinary Republican. This Republican is an extraordinarily principled liberty lover, which means he's anti-war and can get his message across to his, you know, his sort of uh, message that would appeal to many of the people in San Francisco across to them. This is the birthplace of the peace movement in the United States. And I think that uh, he's got a very good chance of beating her. It's John Dennis. Go to JohnDennis2010.com. Donate. I have. I did long before he decided to buy a heads on this show. And I would encourage you to do the same. He's uh, got a total of $200,000 he's looking to raise in September, and he's almost halfway there, and he can get the other half with you. It's johndennis2010.com. So it is the season of voting, as you were mentioning there with uh, John Dennis uh, being one of the candidates out there. And there are many people who would like for you to uh, give them your endorsement uh, with your vote. But some would say you shouldn't be voting at all. Some would say that uh, it's wrong to vote, that it's an endorsement of violence, that it is legitimizing the system. And I wanted to address some of these issues because I understand where they're coming from. I get it. At one point, Mark, uh, you, you know, you staged an intervention with me on the air. Actually, there was more than one point where I was just so frustrated with uh, with the system. And it's it's certainly and, easy to say I'm not going to vote again. 
Yeah, well, that is. It's pretty easy to do that because it's, you know, it sucks. I mean, the, the system's terrible. I'm not saying voting is useful, particularly in that it's really going to lead to significant change. <laughs> right. It, well, I, you know, I get that uh, it is st- a statistically insignificant act and only rarely does it actually make a difference. It has in New Hampshire here, though. There have it, been it, certainly things that have won by one vote. Yeah, and, there are cases um, and people can point to them. They're, you know, they're, there's news. And I understand when people say that largely it is, uh, it is a pointless act. Yes, I would agree with you on that point however to to back up your point by then by then saying that you're you're propping up the state with your vote you're 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 prop, you're, you're you're propagating the system or, or you know pushing the system forward that kind of thing I, that's I, nonsense yeah, and i'd like to explain it's why. absolute nonsense I'd, I'd like to explain why that is because when you go and you participate in the in the system like that, when you go and you vote, you're not sending any message whatsoever. You, when, even when you vote for a politician, you're not sending a clear message. You might have been voting because you agree completely with the politician. Or maybe you were voting because he's the worst of the cancers that was running for uh, for the office. Let me tell they you about my, my vote here recently. I had to it's, – it's so awful. Here was, there was a candidate that I supported. I felt like they were a good, liberty-oriented candidate. Um, and essentially you have your choice of three crap heads, right? You have uh, the lesser craphead, the middle craphead, and the greater craphead. Mm-hmm. And um, of of these choices, I, I I knew that the middle craphead had a better chance of winning against the uh, the greatest of crapheads. So I decided to not vote for the least craphead, but to vote for the middle craphead in order to beat the the the, the great greatest craphead. The greater craphead won anyway. The right? greater craphead won in both of those instances. It's disgusting. It's frustrating. It's uh, the voting system's disgusting. I understand why people feel icky when they do it. But when I'm going and casting a vote for somebody who's not a craphead, somebody like Andrew Carroll, who is a principled, liberty-loving guy, a member of the Free State Project, he made the move to New Hampshire for the purposes of getting active for liberty. I don't feel like I'm voting for one of the, the lesser of two evils. I feel like I'm voting for somebody that gets it when it comes to individual liberty. I mean, Andrew himself has involved himself in civil disobedience. He was arrested in early 2009 for holding a bud of marijuana in his hand in public, one of the most, I would th- think, uh, poignant and he civil disobedience. Marijuana, by the way. Civil disobedience uh, at that. Uh, I, I know he didn't at that time. I, I don't know what his current. Maybe he's been converted. Is. I don't know. This possibility exists, but the, uh, at, at the time he did not. So. Correct. So, uh, so the question. I have a suggestion for all the people faced with uh, craphead number one and craphead number two. Mm-hmm. Um, if you really don't want to choose between the crapheads, go in, write your own name in on the ballot. If if enough people do that, it's it's really going to show up that, uh, hey, we've got all these write-in candidates, and we've all not got any votes for either of the two crapheads. What do we do now? If only uh, that would be the case, where you actually had that many people with uh, the the mindset enough to do that. Yeah. All it's going to do is really be, you know, a percentage or less, and the only people that are going to see it are the people that are counting the write-in votes. This is true. It's never going to make it even to a newspaper article. So, if it's... True that voting legitimizes the system. Then, if no one voted, then the system would be de- delegitimized, right? It'd well, fade quietly into the night, and we'd never see it again. Well, the fact is, it doesn't work that way. Uh, there have been stories, and whenever I see one, I like to bring it up to prove this point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, hilarious, actually, <laughs> because there have been elections where zero percent have turned out. I don't mean 0.1. I mean, not even the candidates went and voted for themselves, <laughs> where no one, no one showed up to vote in, uh, in the elections. Now, odds are good. It's, you know, smaller towns and things like that. 
But the point remains that. Right. But it's it's an opportunity to, to to look and see what happens. Guess what? They keep going and doing their government thing. They have ways to handle this situation. If nobody comes out to vote, oh well, they must love the job we're doing. We'll just keep uh, you know keep going. They don't want to change anything. Well, so they they interpret your vote or lack of vote however they want to interpret it. So there's great opportunity to go in, write yourself in for everything, and congratulations, you're now the mayor and you city council of a small town. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, yeah. which is 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 truly funny, and it, honestly, the reason that I uh, that I justified going to vote was a friend of mine wanted to, you know, was re- was staging a write-in campaign mm-hmm. um, in order to get into a position that I felt that, that no one had run for, and that I felt was very important, and that she could have a, a great deal Did of it work? Inf- influence in. Uh, I, I I have no in, um, no information that it didn't. I, I'm sure it did. Is all so she to, got elected then? Is I I think she, at this point she's it's just a primary issue. Oh, I see. Right, right, right. Gotcha. So but she's the only one on the ballot, unless somebody else wrote themselves in. So if you really want to delegitimize the system, if you really want to do that, not voting will not do it. Okay, there's plenty of evidence that proves that's them. That's the case. But if you really want to delegitimize the system, you have to get people to stop seeing it as legitimate. You have to get them to stop obeying, number one. And then eventually you have to get them to stop paying, number two. I think those are the two most critical things that you can do to really give the system a, a significant c- concern, uh, to really throw a wrench into things, to really make things difficult on them, because they don't care if you don't vote. They will continue to go on and perpetuate themselves as long as you'll pay. And as long as you'll do what they tell you to, it doesn't matter whether you check any boxes or all of the boxes. They don't care. I, I totally agree that that you know that there's that's the striking to striking at the root. However, if if people don't want to take the the biggest risk that you're talking about there, stopping paying uh, taxes uh, at the the federal, the state, and the local level, understand that when you choose to not vote any longer, that you're also uh, that it's you're telling other people that are working towards liberty, that are working within the system, you're saying, hey, whatever it is that you're doing to them, this is how they hear it. Whatever you're doing is not important enough to me to go out and vote, so I'm not going to participate with you and the expectation that they'll help you seems like it might fall on deaf ears. That makes sense. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up anything. Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Toll House Refrigerated Cookie Dough. Who would you bake some love for? Find fun and easy baking ideas at tollhouse.com. Kids love doing arts and crafts projects, especially when you join in. Try channeling all that artistic energy into the kitchen and bake up some creative treats together. Think of your art supplies as the frosting, sprinkles, and decorating gels, and use cookies or cupcakes as your canvas. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash yourfamilytoday. This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves if you dial in toll-free. Bring up whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com and enjoy the features on the site for free. So uh, head over there and experience things like our wiki with over 2,000 pages created by listeners like you, W-I-K-I, wiki. 
www.freetalklive.com. So let me tell you about this book. It's called An Island Called Liberty, and it will teach the ideas of liberty to a young person. I'd say somebody from the ages of, oh, you could probably start reading it to them as young as young, one and a half. But uh, I'd, I'd say that, you know, six, seven, I'm not the greatest with kids' ages on this, but it's a simple story, graceful rhymes, and beautiful illustrations on every page. Could make it, make it one of any child's favorites. My my mother's visiting in town, and she was sitting reading the book to my son, Jack. So it was a double lesson today from, on, uh, from the island, an island called Liberty. Go check it out. Get it for its Christmas present time, right? Uh, all those young kids that are on your Christmas uh, list, they need an island called it's Liberty. It's almost that time, I suppose. You've yeah. got it. Well, you Never wanna, too early. Yeah, it's You, you want to have these things and ready to go. Freemarketunderdog.com. All right, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. So I think I've made my case as to why uh, voting is not an endorsement of violence in any way, shape, or form. I would say that if you're voting for someone who endorses violence, then maybe you could make that argument. Like if you're voting for a warmonger or something, yeah, you might be endorsing violence in that particular case. Um, so but, I, I thought the most motivating uh, argument on the other side was when uh, Kurt the, from Michigan called in uh, months and months ago, and he, he actually called in last night, but it wasn't about this. Uh, he called in and said, well, under what conditions should I be able to choose your ruler? And when you frame it like this, it sounds really right and just. But I guess the answer to that is uh, under the conditions that your inaction would allow would allow someone else to choose my ruler, I suppose, is probably the, the very best thing. Um, I think that if you can choose a candidate that will do a better job of protecting people's rights than a candidate who would do a worse job, that you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to protect as many people as I can. Until people are ready to stop accepting rulers, right? Because uh, that's our problem here is the obedience factor. You mentioned earlier, Mark, that not everybody is, is ready to stop paying taxes. That's okay. Stop obeying. Stop getting the business license. Stop bowing down and paying a parking ticket. Take things to court. Don't take the plea deal, etc. There are little things that you can do to show that you don't consent anymore maybe you're still paying i'm still paying but i don't consent i don't pay the the federal gang but i still pay the local gang but i don't consent to their process i realize that their rule is not legitimate over me and i know that uh, that i could do more and maybe you know as time goes on i will do more toward uh, toward that end but until people there's always stop, more to be done but yeah, you know, one person can't carry the burdens on their shoulder right, otherwise so, they're just going to be sacrificed so we need a lot of people to get together, that's one of the reasons why the New Hampshire Free State Project is such a good idea, to get together and to stop letting these people rule our lives. To stop, Because really, it's because you allow it. The new regulations that they put out, you're the one choosing to obey them. And I know why you choose to obey, because they're scary. They've got cages and guns and dogs, and they're willing to sick them on you, and they're willing to, to destroy your family. And I understand the, the reasons to bow down, and I understand the, the excuses that people have for it. I don't blame anybody for doing it. I don't blame anybody for doing what they think is the right thing to keep their families as safe as possible and, and so on and so forth. But if you want the state to lose legitimacy, A, it's ludicrous to believe you're ever going to convince everyone to stop voting. Look at the turnouts now. What, 10, 20 percent right. turnout usually? I mean, I think you could make the uh, the argument that fewer people have voted in national history than ha- uh, fewer people have not voted. Than have? Me, fewer people yeah. have voted than ones that have not. Yeah. So if actually not voting really did anything, then the government would be, have gone away a long time ago. People yeah. people are not voting in droves. The, the not voters care. are winning. But the not voters are. Are paying and the not voters 
are running businesses and they're obeying and they're jumping through the hoops. And as long as the obedience factor remains, they will control you because you're letting it happen. So don't don't make yourself sound like you're so, so great the, for the, going out and not voting. As long as you're still paying and as long as you're still bowing down to the man, you aren't doing anything to destroy their legitimacy. Nothing. So I have to agree. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's easy to sound sanctimonious by what not going and doing anything. Oh, and that was one of the points uh, that uh, the original emailer had had brought up was that he and I had had a conversation about this place called Agorist Acres, which is uh, the Grafton. Some of the the folks that have moved up to Grafton, New Hampshire, have, have some of them moved on to this place called that they lovingly dubbed Agorist Acres, and of course, many of the people. People who I love personally and I respect and, and I like and I, I consider friends. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're, we're calling them, you know, they call themselves agorists because they, uh, you know, work underground. They don't ask for permission. And I think that's fantastic. Uh, but they also are very principled. I'm, prin- I'm a principled non voter. Well, it turns out that the reason, mm-hmm. the, the, the way they were being given this deal, the deal of them uh, living on this plot of land, this agorist acres, and it was a sweet deal that yeah. they were getting. Uh, but part basically of the living deal, for free, uh, free in the you know something next darn to, close next to, to it, free, yeah. Uh, being able to park their RVs up there in this yeah. big, you know sort of vacant yeah. RV park thing. So the the deal though included that the property owner was asking them was uh, as part of the deal to vote. <laughs> so Not I telling just, them how to vote, just right. asking them to vote. Right? I just thought it was funny. It is funny that oh well we don't vote except when we need some place to live. You know, oh. <laughs> you're not principled. If you're talking about how principled you are and the, your principle can be wiped away for a place to put your head at night, I, it's, that's just funny to me. So, so I think that the emailer thought that I had agreed with him that, uh, that, you know, that, that voting was bad because I was, you know, I, we were talking about the agorist acres thing and kind of poking fun or whatever, but I was just making fun of them. That's all. It was just, just a, a good natured ribbing on my part. If that makes sense, it, it certainly does. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, we've had this argument many times, and I, I don't have anything new to add to it. But it seems to me that not voting doesn't solve anything, and uh, you know, there's a lot of sanctimony that goes in it. Look how great I am, Meh. If you're not paying taxes, I think you're great. If you're not, uh, if you're doing business without a license, I think you're great. If you're not finding, if you're not going and jumping through a bunch of hoops in order to uh, provide a product or service to other people, if you're just doing it. And I think that's great. Uh, as long as you're doing it safely and you're certified, third-party certified, I think that's all fine too. But uh, if you're just if you're just bowing down and kissing the boot in all the other ways, but you're not voting, call, color me unimpressed. It's the easiest thing that one can do, right? To not vote. Yeah. Yeah. It involves zero effort. You have to not do things to not yeah. vote. So there, 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Oh, and I said we had, uh, earlier in the show, I said we had a story about the cigarette tax. We told you uh, several weeks ago about New York City has become the, or New York State and New York City specifically, has become the highest taxed area in the country for cigarettes. Now, they were already really bad before this new increase came through, but it's gotten worse. And we told you that the uh, the black market was or the gray market or whatever you want to call it in this case because it's illegal distribution of legal uh, product stuff so we told you that that uh, was going to kick into higher gear and that there are certain 
consequences that come with prohibitions and this is a partial it's not really a full-on prohibition but it's the more regulated the more controlled something is the more taxed the more likely uh the market will divert into non-legal channels for distribution and indeed from metro WNY.com. Earlier this summer, Governor David Patterson signed into law a $4.35 per pack excise tax on cigarettes, making New York the highest taxing state on cigarette purchases. Now, the article writer here says, I understood Patterson's motivation and desire to try to convince more smokers to quit their filthy habit by increasing the cost of a pack of smokes to the insane price of nearly $10 a pack. For that kind of money, some smokers might have to decide between paying their cable television bill or picking up another carton. Yeah, I, you know, I have, would love to come up with a dispute to this particular issue, but I can tell you that the tax that Obama put on uh, cigarettes uh, back in April of last year, I believe, uh, actually cigars and roll your own and stuff like that. I used to smoke cigars. They, it caused me to quit. I would I refuse to pay the dollar to the federal government because I understand that money's fungible. So every dollar that I uh, that I gave the federal government was a new bullet that they could shoot somebody with, and yeah, I'm not you, interested in that. What if, doing what, that. But what if you could have gotten the same cigarettes for the same price? Oh, I'm sure I could have gone on the internet and found uh, lower prices someplace. You must not have been that addicted then. More coming up here at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. We'll tell you what's going on in New York in a moment. Free talk live. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Sign up at hostgator.freetalklive.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at hostgator.freetalklive.com host you. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. The phones are open for you at 800-259-9231, and you can bring up anything at 800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. One of the main features of the site is our extensive archive collection. You can go all the way back to late 2006, and it's all free. There's no logging in or membership fees or anything like that. You just click and download. Uh, the last week's worth are on the front page of the site, and then you can click into the archive section to go way back. Uh, all free at freetalklive.com, but brought to you by HostGator. Right, the archives. No, nothing in the internet's free, and the uh, the amount of archives that Free, free Talk Live has going back to all the way to 2006, more archives of Free Talk Live than any sane person could handle, is brought to you by HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide <laughs> leader for web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. <laughs> you create your very own website with their free site Builder tools and templates, whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, use hostgator.freetalklive.com. That portal we've created to give you your first month completely free. First month free with hostgator.freetalklive.com. So we're talking about the cigarette uh, tax that was jacked on top of the already high cigarette tax in New York. And some of the we're going to give you some of the consequences of that here in a little bit. But uh, we were talking first, and Mark was just uh, explaining why you quit smoking, Mark, was because... There was a federal tax that was increased, and you just didn't want to send any more money to the federal government anymore, so you decided that this was going to be it for you. So you're... Well, 
I'm kind of looking. I'm looking to reduce the amount of money I send to the federal government because the federal government is, runs throughout the world killing people in, in my name, and I'm not mm-hmm. really interested in that happening. Yeah. And if I'm ever going to take a principal stand to not pay uh, income tax, I better start with taking a principal stand, not paying the taxes I at least have an option whether to pay or not. It seems to me, and one of those taxes is the uh, the the one dollar. It's, I think it's 40 cents per cigar and then $1 for every pound of roll-your-own-tobacco or something like that. So not to say you favor taxes, but you were pointing out that maybe this is working. Maybe taxing these cigarettes to a certain point is actually convincing some people to stop. And so, Sean, I think you wanted to respond to that. Yeah, I did. Uh, it, would, it would work certainly for someone such as Mark who is uh, of the opinion it he doesn't want to send more money to the federal government. But the the general theory, as I understand it, is it raises the price of the pack of cigarettes, and that price increase alone, not the fact of where the money happens to be going, is what's going to make people quit. And I really don't think that's going to hold up. Uh, prohibition on the various illegal drugs has caused that price to inflate drastically. It hasn't really done anything. At, that price increase has done nothing to reduce the number of users. That's true. The Law Enforcement Against Prohibition points out that the number of addicts is relatively held the same. I mean, really serious drug addicts is really held the same overall, uh, all of time. And I think they, they cited like 1% or 2% of the population or something like that. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But go to leap.cc to learn more about that. And even if it were true that a small percentage of people did decide to, uh, to quit smoking cigarettes as a result of a tax increase, is that worth the concomitant uh, violence increase that would happen as a result of the price uh, the price is going up because whenever the price goes up it makes it harder for people to afford it means that they're more likely to start stealing things and, and committing robberies in order to uh, in order to fund whatever habit is that they that they have uh, so is it worthwhile to have a handful of people stop smoking if that means that your car stereo gets stolen or a bunch of people's houses get broken into, or your wife gets held up at knife point by you know somebody that really wants to get a, a pack of cigarettes. It's hard for me to imagine people uh, you know doing crimes to get cigarettes. Let's talk about it. This I'll is the point you. of the story. MetroWNY.com. So they jacked up the price of cigarettes in New York recently to about ten bucks a pack. And uh, the governor, according to this website and other legislators in Albany, knew the new tax would help reduce the budget gap that existed in the state's $136 billion spending plan. See, they don't care about anything else besides uh, how much money they're going to get. But what happened? What they, or what happened? But what they didn't forecast was what was what has happened since the new tax went into effect at the beginning of July. Despite the hopes of law enforcement officials that smokers remain law-abiding citizens, we've seen a rather dramatic increase in crimes related to the theft of individual packs and entire cartons of smokes. A quick scan last week of police reports published by various weekly and daily newspapers throughout the state found that a number of stores with headlines featuring phrases related uh, stories rather with headlines featuring phrases related to the theft of cigarettes. In fact, further investigation found dozens and dozens of cigarette-related crimes that began shortly after July 1st, Mm. which, by no coincidence, is when the new tax went into effect. While the sudden rise in these types of crimes isn't at the point where the state, county, and local police administrators are highly alarmed... It does draw attention to totally unintended to a totally unintended consequence of pricing cigarettes out of range for the average smoker who lives in New York. Convenience stores and gas stations, particularly many smaller mom and pop businesses located downstate, appear to be the main victims of these thefts. With the suspects often working in teams in an effort to distract cashiers so they can leave the premises in relative ease without paying for the merchandise. 
they've also been uh, they they've also been some reports. I think it means there have also been some reports that more and more business owners are taking special requests for unusually large orders of cigarettes from some unscrupulous characters who agree to buy the smokes at a discounted rate so they can turn them around and sell them on a street or at the street level at a more competitive price. The good intentions of the governor and our elected officials in the state capitol to raise more revenue to help ease the pain of New York's budget woes has unfortunately had a negative impact on a number of small business owners who are now dealing not only with a drop in sales, but also an increase in thefts. So that's that's a tough situation for those uh, those business owners because, well, people aren't aren't going to buy their cigarettes through legal channels. If you can go and get a pack of uh, of China brand Marlboros from the the local street dealer at half the price. In many cases, that's going to be the way you go, and you might only pay seven fifty for a real pack of Marlboros as opposed to ten dollars is what you'd pay in the store. If you've got like a like a criminal enterprise coming in with a truck full of uh, real Marlboro packs from uh, from down south, they you know they bought them in North Carolina where they're next they're to trucking them up, nothing, yeah. and just truck them up and ship and literally smuggle them into the city. If you don't think that kind of stuff is happening, then I I think that you need to think again and look at how you prohibition can do it right works. on the internet. I would imagine. I imagine you can go and get these. If you can buy them in North Carolina, I can't imagine somebody's not selling them on the internet in North Carolina. Add to that the what ongoing. Would North Carolina want to stop that for? Mm-hmm. Well, there's certainly enough billboards for tobacco cigarette warehouses all along I-95, right through North Carolina. There you go. Same there thing are with tons of them. Same thing with here in New Hampshire. The fireworks stores are located real close to the border of uh, Massachusetts, where they're prohibited. Hmm. And they're all called state line fireworks yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Gee, I wonder why. Uh, so add to that the ongoing debate about non-Indians purchasing their smokes on tax-free reservations. And you can see how many people throughout the Empire State are concerned about cigarettes and the various taxes associated with purchasing them. Instead of swimming in a sea of cash, our so-called representatives in Albany will actually have to earmark some of the funds from the new excise tax to prosecute criminals who are either caught stealing cigarettes or selling smokes illegally on the black market. More manpower and resources will end up having to be devoted to the budget lines associated with law enforcement agencies and justice courts. And I'm sure the police are very, very happy about that. Right. You know, the the idea here is, oops, we made a mistake. They didn't make a mistake, people. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is just more work for them. They're making more money. They're, you know, they're doing more work. It doesn't matter to them that the, the work that they're, they're doing is, was created by this tax that they started in the first place. Now, we're actually seeing, he says, a dramatic drop in sales. Some locally owned and operated convenience store owners were quoted in recent television news stories that their sales have dipped as much as 40%. Now, I don't know if that's just on cigarettes, but cigarettes in many cases, are a significant staple, from what I understand, of running a convenience store. Well, it, and I think that this is this just goes to show who has power in this world or doesn't. Uh, when you're talking about these mom-and-pop places that make their money on selling, uh, uh, on selling cigarettes, lottery mm-hmm. tickets, and photies of, uh, you know, whatever, uh, malt liquor that they sell, they, nobody cares about those places. They tend to be dirty and in the, the wrong section of town. You mean and in the, the state. No one cares in the uh, right. Nobody there in, in, in the ruling class mm-hmm. uh, cares about them. They, as far as they're concerned, they're in the wrong town. They're run by the wrong kind of people. Uh, immigrants that are trying to make a better life for themselves have come here first generation, that kind of thing. People that don't have power work there. People that don't have to power own them. People that don't have power shop there.
Speaking of crossing state lines, one of the new ways to purchase smokes at a much cheaper rate is to make the trip to Pennsylvania, where sales numbers have tripled in just a few short months and caused one happy entrepreneur from that state to say in a recent news article that she's openly welcomed new customers during a time when she often observes, get this, no Pennsylvania license plates in the parking lot. Which wow. means that those people are probably considered smugglers now, going over to Pennsylvania and buying them. cigarettes and bringing them back in. A spike in crime and a drop in sales for uh, small business owners who are barely making ends meet is certainly not what Patterson had in mind at the time when enforcing the tax on Indian vi- uh, reservations is still very much in doubt. So the marketplace will do whatever it can to avoid uh, the, the the more the more the taxes, the more likely people are going to go in different directions, whether it's buying from a street dealer or taking the time to drive across the border to go stock up at a local, you know, at a Pennsylvania or store the Internet. or go online or, you know, or stealing, breaking and entering. 800-259-9231. I know how they can solve it. They can create a cigarette interdiction squad and start doing uh, sting operations and, you know, spend a few million dollars to try to stop these people from going elsewhere. It's Free Talk Live. Hour 3 is coming up. So, you want to move to New Hampshire for liberty? nhmove.info has articles, links, and activism alerts to help you decide exactly where and how to make your move. Even job listings. Browse the inventory of Liberty blogs, sites, and media, or promote your own efforts, all free, at nhmove.info. If you're moving to New Hampshire, you better go now and bookmark nhmove.info. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into the third hour of the program, and you are invited to take control of the airwaves by dialing in toll-free at 800-259-9231. The number brought to you by SACL CAI. It's 1-800-259-9231. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those. And by the way, the main feature of the site, haven't mentioned this yet tonight, uh, the main feature is actually allows the content to be created by listeners like you. So when you go to freetalklive.com and you see the different items that we've got in the main column of the site, that was all created by uh, your fellow listeners, or maybe even you if you're already submitting content to freetalklive.com. If you're not yet, you can. It's a pretty easy process, and it's been made easier now with our new handy bookmarklet tool, which you can learn about over at freetalklive.com. But basically, when you're surfing around the web, you find something that you want to share with our listeners, you just submit it to our website it pops up other listeners will see it they'll vote on it whether they like or dislike it and uh, the most liked will make it to the front page in the top of the website at freetalklive.com and those stories that make it to uh, the top of the site are more likely to be discussed on the air in fact the story we're talking about tonight or we were talking about uh, from new york where they're they're discussing the consequences of the increase in taxes on cigarettes four dollars and 35 cents per pack uh, was signed in, an excise tax was signed in earlier this year. It went into effect in July. And what do you know? Sales have dropped 40% at some mom and pop uh, convenience stores, tripled the sales have across the border in Pennsylvania. Criminals are coming in and stealing cigarettes more often now than they ever did before in the past. And, of course, it's likely that organized crime has gotten involved. Uh, I mean, the, the cops haven't busted up a big crime ring yet, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. Doesn't mean it hasn't been happening for years. New York has long had high taxes. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it was a few years ago that there was a story about them raising taxes 
back a few years ago and how it is that the the New York City guys were forming a cigarette interdiction squad. I mean, when I mentioned that on the way to the break, I wasn't joking. They really do have, or they had, I doubt they've gotten rid of it because government keeps getting bigger and it never gets smaller. Yeah, government doesn't get rid of programs. There are cops in, in New York City who are, it's their job to investigate cigarettes, uh, investigate illegal dealers of cigarettes. And so that means that it's likely those people are trying to set up sting operations and, and do the whole drug kingpin crackdown on cigarette operators. People that aren't paying their fair share for these taxes. Yeah. So let's go to your phone calls. Uh, you're welcome to share your thoughts. Matt is in Wisconsin on the amp lines. Hello, Matt. Hi. Um, how you guys doing tonight? What's on your mind, Matt? I just wanted to say how uh, absurd I think the uh, taxes and prices of cigarettes in the U.S. are. I mean, I... I've spent uh, a few months in the last couple of years traveling in Central America, and I mean, there the prices of cigarettes are anywhere from a dollar twenty-five to maybe two dollars a pack, mm-hmm. and I just I, I find it so incredible that the taxes are many, many times what the actual price of the cigarettes are. Yeah, it's uh, you know that's that's what a pack of cigarettes costs these days is about a buck fifty to two dollars. Um, and you mean to manufacture it? Yeah, that's what it would sell in the the marketplace without all the taxes. Oh, I see. And it's much cheaper to manufacture. It just it just screws with it entire it screws with the whole formula entirely. Yeah, I I just always found it funny because I, I was always told like those like outside the U.S. is kind of like scary places to go and bad people and bad things going on there, and. To find out those places actually have lower taxes and cheaper things there, it's like, wow. Well, I mean, the economy is probably a little different as well. I mean, for instance, yeah. in, in some places, everything is cheaper just because uh, their their level of, uh, I guess, in, the, the inflation hasn't happened in the same way that it has here, and just things are different. So yeah, that factor. Uh, so anything oh. else you want to share tonight? Um, no, um, not really. Right, I just, thanks for the call. Uh, like to go and have a good night. Glad you're out there. Thanks for the call at 800-259-9231. So there's not really much more to say about this than what we said last hour. So for those of you just tuning in, if you missed it, you can go grab the archives from freetalklive.com. But the, the facts are the facts. The more regulation, the more taxation, the closer you get to prohibition, the more danger you get, the more uh, criminal elements you bring in. And into any any situation, any product, any service. And these guys, these people that want to control cigarettes, I'm sure some of them would love the idea of prohibiting them, but it, that's pretty unrealistic at this point. And part of the reason for that is because there are certain corporate interests that would not really like that very much. Namely, the cigarette manufacturers. And they, they would fight, fight tooth, and nail, tooth and nail to uh, to prevent prohibition from coming on. In fact, speaking of prohibition, well, I think that uh, the, the the cigarette manufacturers are losing uh, sort of strength these days. But I do not Philip Morris. That was Philip Morris that was behind the the new cigarette taxes at the federal level. The, the tax that made you quit smoking, Mark. Philip Morris was behind that because it makes them uh, easier to Philip crush. Their... For Philip Morris doesn't make any roll your own cigarettes and or, and or cigars. You're right. Yeah, so they're able to crush their uh, their competition. That was the same tax that also within that same law, uh, Philip Morris, that, that was advocating for this, that same law made it so that all flavored cigar, uh, cigars and cigarettes were banned, all rolling tobacco, anything mm-hmm. with flavoring, except menthol. Menthol, which Philip Morris makes. Yeah. 
Now, speaking of uh, people and prohibition and businesses and how they relate to prohibition, there's a very revealing story that was posted over at freetalklive.com from a website called the White Sepulchre.blogspot.com. It's a white grave. Yeah. Well, anyway, driving you to drink. Uh, Check this out by Jacob Sullum of Reason Magazine. Here are the top contributors to the main group opposing marijuana legalization in California. Yeah, I had this one You saw this one? Yeah. Sean, have you seen this one yet? I did. I I can't ask you to take a guess as to uh, which, who might, who could possibly be opposing medical, or not just, excuse me, not medical marijuana, but full-on marijuana recreational use decriminalization or legalization in California. Who could it be? Hmm. Now, I have to say, the first contributor, I wouldn't have necessarily thought of. Number one, the number one contributor to uh, preventing the legalization of marijuana in California, SA Recycling, because they believe that people would buy fewer metal cans full of alcoholic beverage. Oh, that makes some sense. In order to recycle. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Number two contributor? Well, this one I would have guessed. The California Beer and Beverage Distributors. Sure enough, they're worried about new competition entering the marketplace. As though marijuana isn't already being sold left and right everywhere across California. As though legalizing marijuana is somehow going to harm these people. They don't understand. These people are so myopic in their understanding of how things actually work. Look, the kinds of people that are, that are you know, spending a good percentage of their income on your products, beer distributors... They'll have more money to spend on beer in a world where marijuana is legal. Because if marijuana is made legal and they're not taxing it to the point where it's the same price as it currently is today, it'll cost less. I think that uh, you're, you're looking at things uh, short-sighted, uh, myopically also. Oh? Um, once marijuana becomes legal and accepted and from a social, social standpoint, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about today, I'm talking 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now, then um, you won't see as many alcohol sales because marijuana is just a superior mind-altering substance in just about every way to alcohol. Uh, is there any evidence beyond your speculation for that? Just personal experience. Alcohol, hangovers. Alcohol, Mm -hmm. traffic accidents. Alcohol, beating the spouse. Alcohol, so many terrible choices. Yeah, but it's pretty ingrained. I mean, alcohol is pretty popular. I'm just talking about over time. Look, prohibition entrenched uh, liquor in the American marketplace, and it's still, it's diminishing, but it's it's diminishing very slowly. Liquor still hasn't moved back down to the uh, pre-prohibition consumption levels, and they Prior to that, they drank wine and they drank beer, and it's still and liquor still hasn't gone down. Yes, by changing the laws, you do change consumption. Number three is some prohibitionist named Diane Lake. We don't know who she is. Uh, no one's dug into her yet, but I imagine she's probably tied <laughs> she's, in with one of the first two. She's being filleted right at this point. Uh, and then after that, the deputy sheriffs and the narcotics Asso- agents associations, two groups who are concerned about job security. Yes, absolutely. Yep, their budgets go away if marijuana is legal. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Those are your those are the people that are opposing the idea of marijuana legalization. The people with the money in the game, the people with something to lose, and it's sad. And I hope that they lose their butts. I hope that uh, the the marijuana legalization effort goes through, flies through this year, and uh, it's that's a good reason to come out and vote for something. Uh, more coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. 
Hey everybody, Scott Horton here for FreedomCam.net. From coast to coast, the increasingly militarized American police state has grown out of control. Peace officers have become law enforcement. The old doctrines of minimal force have fallen by the wayside. Cops are now trained to use overwhelming force in virtually every situation, resulting in an epidemic of police brutality across our society. I say fight back while you still can. Film the cops and put it on YouTube. A critical mass of police brutality videos is being assembled online, and a change is going to come. Police perjury is no match for instant replay. Freedomcam.net offers discreet video cameras to help you avoid confiscation while checking power and protecting yourself. Freedomcam.net. Live, you can bring up what you want. Dial in toll free. Bring up anything at 800 259 9231. That's the SACL CAI toll free line 1 800 259 9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com and get interactive on the bulletin board system with other Free Talk Live listeners over at BBS. Dot freetalklive.com. If you like Taryn Lupo's history pieces on the LCL report, then check out his new historical fiction novel. Pirates of Savannah is an adventure novel about the birth of freedom in the Low Country. At its heart, it's a tale of prisoners, refugees, societies, uh, cast off, all joining together to escape from government tyranny and discover a path to liberty on the open seas. It is a gritty, vivid account of what life was like in the 1700s, and it's loaded with real obscure historical events that nearly um, the time nearly erased and buried. Taryn is doing an experiment in intellectual property by taking a risk, giving away the ebook completely free. You can check it out. Check out the first three chapters at this point now um, at piratesofsavannahbook.com. It's piratesofsavannahbook.com. All right, so we're going to continue here. Since we're talking about the black market, what with the cigarette taxes in New York City and New York State resulting in more people turning to the black market to uh, provide their supply of smokes, well, let's talk about the black market in Cuba. It's something we've discussed in the past uh, where a lot of people are involved down there because, well, it's hard to start your own business in Cuba. If you thought it was bad in the United States, it's even worse in Cuba. And the, the whole place is just an economic S-hole. And it's because, well, a lot of people are forced to work for the state, although the big news that just hit recently is that uh, 500,000 people are going to be laid off. 500,000 state Half a million people workers are going to be Cuba? laid off. Yes. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know. Cuba's realize... decided that they just can't make the Cuban model work. Castro is quoted as saying the Cuban model doesn't even work in Cuba anymore. Yeah, but then he came back to say he meant capitalism. Well, <laughs> um, he's an he, old man. He's like 80-something years old. Uh, so. Indeed, but that's not what he meant. Um, what he meant was is that uh, they're going to bring in some different brand of economics that will be uh, you know, branded specifically Cuban. The fact is, take a look at Cuba today and take a look at Cuba in three years, and you will see that, in fact, what Castro meant was an introduction of a freer market. Really? See, I didn't read the actual details on those stories. I saw that he corrected himself to say capitalism was bad. Well, he doesn't want to look like he's, he's, he's uh, well, the last 70 years where we've killed tens of thousands of people. Really sorry about that. Ripping 70, off. 60, 50, I don't know. 
Ripping off Fidel might just pay dividends. This according to NBCMiami.com. The hundreds of thousands of Cubans that have worked on the island's underground economy might just have a leg up when it comes to taking advantage of the Castro government's economic overhaul. The government is eliminating 500,000 jobs, telling workers they have to make it on their own. So much for uh, those sweet government jobs. Huh? The, uh, not that they were that sweet in Cuba. but Guaranteed. Uh, they, were sweet. they were sweeter than, <laughs> yeah. than people working in uh, the black market or try, you know, trying to make ends meet. Well, maybe not. Outside the black- of the government. Black market might be actually okay in Cuba because there's so much prohibited. The government is eliminating uh, the half a million jobs. The message from the Castro brothers is that we can't take care of you anymore. So what does it mean for the government-employed engineer with a college degree who, by the way, drives an illegal taxi and sells stolen lobsters to an illegal restaurant located in a friend's home? Well, he might be just fine, according to the uh, Southeastern University's professor, Robert C. Priozzi. He says, I think the people who had something going on the side will now be able to devote all their time and efforts to that. But it, the work, is no longer going to be on the side. It will be in full view of the government, he said. Cubans who have developed skills in the black market and hustling outside of work are likely to succeed in the new economic atmosphere. Rizzozzi said they know how to operate and will know which bend in the road to take. When to go to the left or the right, they will recognize opportunities. Uh, the Castro, because they've been operating as free marketeers in the, the black market outside of their uh, their regular jobs, whereas if all you did was just work for the government and you didn't do any of the, the black marketeering, then you may not uh, you may not adjust as well. Kind of like when some of the uh, when uh, there's stories out of the Soviet Union after it broke up about how McDonald's would open up and and people wouldn't understand they 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 you know they were they're used to bread lines they wouldn't understand that you could go into some place and there's this menu and you there were choices choose <laughs> what? they didn't get it. Whereas if you're uh, if you're operating in the the prohibited market in Cuba, you're doing things you're not supposed to be doing. Well, now when those things become uh, more accepted, as far as in the in the legal market, you'll be a little bit more uh, a comp- uh, you, you'll be a little more acclimated. You get it. In that situation. Well, it sounds to me like somebody needs to distribute a lot of pamphlets on agorism inside of Cuba. I think that a lot of Cubans get this. One of the times when we discuss the Cuban black market, uh, for instance, satellite receivers are forbidden in Cuba because, well, the government can't control that. This satellite signals, our our satellite signal, the LRN.FM satellite signal, it covers Cuba with a receivable signal. So with the right-sized dish pointing up at our bird, as they call him in the business, you can listen to LRN.FM in, in Cuba. So if they see you with a satellite dish in Cuba, if they see that dish, they will come in and they will attempt to, uh, to shut you down. So if you can somehow obscure the fact that you have the, the dish, then uh, satellite television is very popular. It's a very popular underground market product I in Cuba. I mentioned Boring so whether there's the state stuff, right? Whether they're right because because the state runs all of the the channels there, and so uh, so whether you're selling the dishes doesn't matter. There are a significant number of people who are buying the services of a black marketeer in, in Cuba. So people, I think the people in Cuba are very intimately familiar with uh, the black market services that are available because they need them in order to get the stuff they want. Because otherwise they'd they'd have to go through this. Uh, terrible system that fidel uh, fidel castro has set up so luckily the the marketplace has worked around that it was the most fair and moral system that uh, fidel could come up with this was the way to properly handle government 
The Castro government hopes the independent workers can pump tax and fee money into the running on empty Cuban government coffers. Cuban history experts say that when the Castro regime allowed some free enterprise in the past, they smacked the independent workers with stiff taxes, regulations, and inspections, forcing out most of them out of business. But as far as taxes, Priozzi says the Castro government will be closely monitoring revenues generated by small businesses and cooperatives. They says it's believed that a million Cubans have illegal side jobs. Only 143 – there's a comma in the wrong place here. 143,00 – I think they mean 143,000 uh, – have licenses to be self-employed. So about ten times as many Cubans beyond what are licensed are actually doing work in illegal manners. Heroic. 800-259-9231. This That's is how it's going to go every time. You, when the government outlaws things, then people are going to fill those gaps with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for the people that want whatever it is they want. When, they outlaw, when the government outlaws everything, then everybody's going to be a black marketeer. Absolutely. I mean, look at uh, gypsy cabs. You don't have to go to Cuba to see the, the examples of this operating. We already talked about the uh, the cigarette taxes driving people underground in New York City. Well, also in New York City and other cities where they severely restrict the marketplace for transportation, where they only allow certain providers uh, who have begged and, uh, and, and paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for this taxi cab medallion in order to operate a taxi cab business. Uh, where they only allow a certain number of people to do that, there are gypsy cabs. There are people that say, screw these laws. They hop in their van and they uh, start putting the word out on the street that they're available for rides. And they'll give you a ride for much cheaper than you would otherwise pay to the regulated companies. So that's one example of uh, many different ways that uh, entrepreneurs can operate in the uh, you know w- without using the system, without begging for permission. And I think more people should. More people should just do what they want to do. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. But it makes more sense to do those things when you've got other people who will back you up, like up here in New Hampshire. Uh, It's part of the Free State Project. There's more coming up. You take control. Free Talk Live. In the decades to come, hardy adventurers will colonize the solar system, rediscovering freedom and finding vast new wealth. But the government of Earth will seek to extend its power and claim that wealth as its own any way it can. Escape from Terra, Volume 1, the first trade paperback collection of the popular adventure webcomic series, is available now for $12.95 from Big Head Press at BigHeadPress.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves and dial in toll-free at 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We'll give you the features free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. And the features include listening options, news updates, Shrine of Female listeners, and more. You go over there and enjoy it all. And if you want to help support the show, you can do that by going to promote freetalklive.com to get a whole list of things you can do to get free talk live into more ears around the world promote.freetalklive.com joining you tonight in the studio it's ian and sean and mark uh by the way we're going to get back to the cuba situation here in a little bit i did dig up some more information on exactly uh what they may be planning to do over there as a result of them finally coming to the realization that the total government control of the economy has uh, led to a dead end We'll get to get to that information in a moment. But first, we go to Dave in Montana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. Howdy, you Liberty dudes, man. Hey, the Dave. best 
the best Liberty dudes across the land. Hello. I don't know about that, but I thank you for the call. What's what's on your mind tonight? Hey, uh, these beer guys ain't thinking about it. You mean the ones out beer, in California? Right. Beer cures cotton mouth. They're going to sell more <laughs> beer to idiots. I don't know if beer cures cotton mouth. I mean, <laughs> temporarily, it would cure cotton mouth, I suppose. I guess that's yeah, all that matters. You take, but... When you got cotton mouth, what do you want? A nice cold beer. No, I've never, I've never really wanted a cold beer when I've had cotton mouth. Well, a lot of people do. I believe you're right. Sell more that. beer, I think. I think I, you're right. I think when Dave says it, I believe him that beer Thank cures you. Uh, cotton mouth. I have no idea uh, whether well, beer cures cotton mouth or not, but but D- Dave sounds ex- it sounds like he knows. Well, doesn't alcohol dehydrate you? So it doesn't make sense. I mean, from a from a no biological uh, alcohol standpoint. doesn't dehydrate no? you any more than uh, soda dehydrates you. Really? All these other myths that go into really? the idea that you can drink a substance and be dehydrated by drinking it. Okay, battery acid might dehydrate you, but but alcohol and and sodas and all these other true? things they contain water. That's why they yeah, hydrate but... the cell and and they do not dehydrate. It's a myth. I think it dehydrates you maybe because it makes you pee a lot. It absolutely, it's, it's a diuretic, but that doesn't change right. that it, it's cycled through the cell and the cell's That's hydrated. Right. It just makes you get rid of the liquid quick. There are people on this planet that do not consume water, and people will tell you that water is the only thing that will hydrate you. And if this is so, these people should be dead. Doesn't that stand to reason? <laughs> yeah, I see where you're coming from, Mark. But I could have sworn that uh, there was, like, for instance, you go to if you go to sleep without having any water after you've been drinking, it's usually a really bad thing because you'll be dehydrated. Indeed, you, you probably should drink some water before you uh, go to bed. But I've drank water before I've gone to bed, taken aspirin, still woke up with a whopping hangover. And then you drink water in the morning, you get drunk all over again. <laughs> really? That's news to me. Does that happen to you, Dave? No, sometimes that happens. When you drink the water, it just pushes more al- the alcohol out of the liver, I guess, or whatever. News to me. Running around the system again. So what else do you want to share? I'm telling you, the beer guys ain't thinking this through. They're just upset. I think they're, you know, controlled by the conservatives because they like their Budweiser, you know. (laughs) Yeah, if they were smart, they'd start putting plans together to open up a, you know, a grow-op. If they were smart. For sure. But they got got the, the, the patent on that name, don't they? Well, yeah, but you can still have... Bud. <laughs> the Bud, you know. Well, well, right. If you're a Budweiser distributor, why not have Budweiser uh, beer and Bud? Budweiser uh, marijuana cigarettes? I mean, why Budweiser not? Budweiser Bud, man. Why not? It makes sense to me. And thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate right. hearing from you, Dave, at 800-259-9231. They could have Budweiser and underline the Bud and make it really obvious. I don't know. It's, I agree with him that they are being uh, short-sighted. And I think that if marijuana prices come down, and I see what you're saying, Mark, that over decades you believe, generations you believe, that people will, will use alcohol less. Maybe you're right about that. I, I don't know. Uh, but I think that certainly immediately if, if marijuana is cheaper, people will have more disposable income. They may be more likely to buy an extra six-pack or something like that. You know, a six-pack, tasty. Uh, beer's tasty and everything, but I just – I. You know, if people have the option of uh, altering their their consciousness, marijuana's a, a safer, more effective way to do that. Let's continue here and talk to G, listening in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, G. Hey, Ian. How's it going? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Oh, I was just going to let you guys all know that uh, Mama Alley's safe and tucked away and all dry. And I just want to give a shout out to everybody who's done what they've done today. I really appreciate it. 
and just let everybody know that when they support The Last Biscuit, they're supporting their survival right now. So. Well, this is a uh, – what you're referring to, for our listeners that don't know, is an underground operation, a, uh, a really successful uh, agorist business of a lady and, and you, uh, the, the two of you together and some other folks, working to provide food yeah, to people. To, to your family and to other people's families uh, to provide delicious home-cooked uh, meals without asking the government's permission to do it. And it's been an amazing uh, experience for you so far. And I didn't know if you wanted to talk about what was going on uh, on, on the air considering the, the situation that, that y'all are in right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely rough. I mean, we're going through a real hard week this week, and all we're doing is feeding people food. I mean, I got arrested earlier this week, and... They sent eight police officers on a contempt of court warrant, is what they claimed they had. So, and they raided your that, business that was, as a result of yep. that, right? Yep, they pretty much shut us down because that's how they found us. Because they took me in, and of course, when I'm sitting in cuffs, staring at the floor, they're saying, "Oh, we got G from the last biscuit, the big bad G. We're going to close the last biscuit down. We know where you're at." And everything happened because of. They were saying, you want to film us, we'll film you, because she had filmed earlier last week. She got pretty much she was attacked. jumped by a cop. Yeah, yeah she, she was attacked by, a, cop by a, little, a cop with a little person syndrome and something mm-hmm. a chip on her shoulder and something to prove. And because Mama Allie had her video camera out and was recording this cop's attitude uh, and then put that video footage up online when she got her camera back with the footage on it, uh, then uh, that, then the cops got really pissed because right. they, and, you, you yeah, showed them for who they are. I'd like to I'd like to point out here that when Mama Hallie was doing something illegal, which is operating the uh, the the restaurant and serving people food without a license, they left her alone. Large largely left her alone. They decided to leave her alone. However, when she did something legal, which is filming one of our public servants acting like a complete uh, jackass. Well, that's when they went after her. And this is just a complete miscarriage of justice. Oh, yeah, they were they were definitely all over that. They were saying, you know, if you want to film us, we're going to film you. And they had a file at the police station with the, that was called The Biscuit. <laughs> and when they came to get me, like I said, there was eight police officers for a contempt of court warrant. Wow. I mean, yeah, and, seems crazy. Yeah, and, and they must have um, thought you were going to go down shooting over some biscuits. Oh yeah, and I told them I said, you know, when they were they were telling me, you know, we're going to take you guys down. I said, I hope you guys are really proud. You know, I mean, we were feeding people a seven dollar plate that people could eat on twice. I mean, we can't have people walking around with full stomachs and money in their pocket. You know, you guys, you guys are heroes. You know, really heroes. <laughs> Well, you, was, I think you guys are, to me. are heroic, and I'm sorry that it had to. I'm sorry that it had to end in that way, but it's not over for good. Uh, I don't feel comfortable with no, announcing. No, they can't stop our. They can't stop our shine. Right, you're gonna, gonna you're shining, gonna keep you're gonna keep so. things going, but I don't feel comfortable with announcing in what way or how or anything like that, considering no, no, no. the situation. Nope. So. That's- so perfect. Thanks, G. I appreciate the call tonight, and good luck down there. Uh, and uh, thanks again for everything you've done. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll free line. So. Now, a little bit more about the, the changes that are going to be happening in Cuba. They are acknowledging that the, the communist system that they've had there has not worked. And it's not to say that they believe in the free marketplace or anything like that. 
uh, because <laughs> these are power mongers. They're not going to just well, let their power they're seeing go. seeing the free market, that, that their, their socialist system, their government-controlled economy is not working. So they're seeing – they're believing more in the free market. Right. They know that uh, – they're coming to the conclusion now that having a lesser-controlled, a lesser-government-controlled market may be good for uh, the people there in Cuba and, and their own well-being and their own uh, tax coffers as well because, as the other article pointed out, Things are running dry for the government there in Cuba. It's getting uh, it's getting pretty tough. And we'll get to some of the details as to exactly what they have planned. What are the changes they're going to make? The Economist will reveal here in a few moments at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Plenty of time to get your thoughts in. You bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live, 800-259-9231. Free Talk Live. You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but there is enough time for your call if you make it now to 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We give you the features there for free. Now, if you enjoy the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can do that by uh, becoming an amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We will take that money in and reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country. Just had a new station. Well, one of our old stations actually came back on board uh, with us today. Can't announce who quite yet, but it's because of the Free Talk Live amplifiers. They needed some new satellite equipment, and we're able to afford to provide that Bam! for them. Bam! Amplifiers, pony up. That's right. Booyah. They got it. Uh, so that's going to make it possible for them to bring us back on board uh, all six nights a week over there, which is great. So it's a um, big deal. Yep, you can become a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as three bucks a month, and you can use any major credit card, PayPal. Alternative options are available as well. Go to amp.freetalklive.com. Get signed up with our brand new amplifier system over at amp.freetalklive.com, and get perks like access to the amp only call in lines, the amp only forum. Uh, the Amp Only Podcast and more, amp.freetalklive.com. Yeah, go ahead and uh, amp the program. Jason Osborne, the great Osborno, says you should. <laughs> he is awesome, that uh, Jason Osborne. <laughs> so uh, we're going to continue here talking about Cuba. Sean joining us uh, in here tonight as well, uh, one of the bloggers over at freekeen.com. Uh, talking about the Cuban changes that are coming. Apparently, some significant changes. There are. They're talking about wiping out... 500,000 people from uh, their jobs Wait, working for the government. Oh, just from their jobs. Just, uh, yeah. You confused me for no, a moment there. No genocide today in Cuba. Not, not, uh, not going to actually exterminate them, but uh, they're exterminating their jobs. And what are they going to do instead? Well, they're going to actually have to work in the, the marketplace. Well, working in the marketplace is impossible in Cuba because they've essentially eliminated the marketplace. And They're bringing and, it back. Well, they are going to do the their best. marketplace. Yeah. Back. And hopefully, By popular demand. Hopefully they won't F it up too bad. Not that uh, the marketplace their... actually went anywhere. It just got It went black. Yeah. yeah. Uh, ever since Raul Castro, uh, Castro excuse me, uh, the Economist, uh, Economist.com reporting here. 
Uh, ever since Raul took the reins of power in Cuba in 2006, he has seemed to hint that he wants to reform the island's moribund, centrally planned economy. But the changes he's introduced have either limited or uh, have been either limited or almost inconsequential, such as giving more freedom to farmers, allowing self-employment for barbers, and letting Cubans have unaffordable mobile phones. Until now. On September 13th, the government announced through the mouth of the official trade union confederation that more than more than a million people, according to this, a fifth of the workforce will be made redundant from state jobs, half of them by April 1st of 2011. Some of the unemployed will be offered new government jobs, including in the police and tourism, but hundreds of thousands will be expected to fend for themselves. To help them, self-employment is to be legalized in dozens of areas, from transport to construction. The reforms will also allow many state-owned businesses to become cooperatives run by their employees. They'll have to pay taxes, though how much has not yet been spelled out. This amounts to the biggest shakeup of the economy since Fidel Castro expropriated small businesses in 1968, impressing his Soviet benefactors by bringing almost all workers from shoeshiners to barmen under state control. In the mid 1990s, when the Soviet the Union, Soviets, uh, their, their stuff collapsed. Almost, what going on two, two decades ago? That's right. And, and Castro's still been holding on to this. In the mid 1990s, when the Soviet Union and its subsidies to Cuba disappeared. Fidel reluctantly allowed Cubans to use the American dollar as legal currency and to engage in petty trade, such as renting rooms and setting up small restaurants. This is uh, this really just goes to show that uh, working for the government means you never have to say you're sorry. This guy, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. the Soviet Union fell, and they're still just trying to claw on and hold on to this. I remember back in the, the mid-'90s, I think it was 95, um, the hearing uh, some news report where Cuba was saying, was encouraging its citizens to eat eggs shells for the calcium. Oh, wow. I mean, that shows you just how poor these people are, how badly their system's working. Many of those businesses folded because of high taxes and the complexity of obtaining licenses to operate. When Venezuela's Hugo Chavez became Cuba's new benefactor offering cheap oil, Mr. Castro re-centralized the economy. Raul Castro, however, has frequently expressed his exasperation at Cuba's chronic inefficiencies. He says we have to erase forever the notion, he told the Assembly last month, that Cuba is the only country in the world where it's not necessary to work. The country can no longer afford this. The price of nickel, the main export, has fallen. The word recession has cut tourist uh, has cut. Excuse, excuse me. The world recession has cut tourist numbers. The island suffered hurricane damage in 2008. With half of its agricultural land unproductive, Cuba imports 80 percent of its food. Good Lord, Cuba! I mean, so this is this is productive farmland, people. That's all it does. They import. They, they what do they? How much do they? Eighty uh, percent of its 80% food. Eighty percent is all they have to do is let these farmers go. And they will they will make so much food that they'll be exporting it. Half of its agricultural land is unproductive. Not to say it's barren. Not to say it's been scorched or that it's you, you can't grow things there. It's just they're not using it because it's a centrally controlled economy. Because when you've got a central planner, they don't do it right. There aren't market signals. They don't know what people want to be grown. They don't know how much of it that they need to grow it at, or how much they need to grow and, and what price it needs to be sold at. They have no idea. Well, uh, Mark was saying the Soviet Union showed this 20 years ago. Mises showed this, what, uh, uh, 80 some odd years ago when when he wrote socialism sure but somebody actually has to admit they've been wrong right i mean because fidel castro well oh you 
yeah, they did it wrong in the Soviet Union, but we're doing it right here in Cuba. This is the people's paradise down here. Now be sure you eat your eggshells. Yeah. Yeah, they, <laughs> there doesn't seem to be any way to tell somebody who believes in the ideas of socialism or communism or whatever. You can't show them the myriad of countries that have tried this because nope. it's easy to get a politician to try a program that includes more government. What's nearly impossible is to get them to try a program that involves less According to the story, it has uh, struggled to make hard currency payments. Earlier this money, Fidel Castro himself let slip to a visiting American journalist that the Cuban economic model doesn't even work for us anymore, he said. Though, the later, uh, though he later disingenuously claimed to have been misinterpreted, this is clearly his brother's view. The economists close to Raul, who have long argued for a mixed economy in the mold of China or Vietnam, finally appear to have gotten their way. The announcement of the reform follows an officially promoted round of debates about the economy and grassroots bodies. It may pave the way for a much postponed Congress of the ruling Communist Party. Raul has said the Congress would be the last to be presided over by the historic leadership of the revolution. Workers who are laid off will continue to benefit from free health care and education, heavily subsidized housing and transport and, and modest rations of so-called free food. Uh, many Cubans have long supplemented their paltry state wages with around $20 a month with illegal of around $20 a month with illegal private enterprise in the large black economy. But the reforms will widen the already evident income disparities in Cuba and they will weaken the state's grip over the lives of Cubans. Says a Western diplomat in Havana, one day we might well look back on this as the perestroika moment. I don't see how they couldn't. And maybe, maybe... The thugs in the United States federal government will finally decide to allow people to do business with Cubans. I, I, you know, I have heard this. Uh, I, I please don't please research this on your own. I don't have this information sitting in front of me. But I, I was listening to NPR, and it sounds like Obama's letting people go back and forth to Cuba now. At least Cubans. If that's true, it's that's good news. And, I, I think that the restrictions it. have been at least somewhat, uh, you know, loosened. Now then, uh, Sean, you had something that it wasn't really a news article, but a quick uh, piece or opinion yeah, on... Yeah, it, it's just a, a strange story. A shocking I, group of people that is, I'm shocked still exist. Yeah, it's a strange group I came across called Geocentrists. It's, uh, it, you can find them at GalileoWasWrong.org. These people <laughs> are actually of the opinion, and this includes... Uh, it's not a PhD, joke? ...people with PhDs in physics, that the Earth is at the center of the universe... <laughs> And Come on, it has to be a joke. It's got to be a joke. They're, they're holding a conference in Indiana in November. There I, used to be a Flat Earth Society. I wonder if those people are still knocking about. I, I don't know, but they've got a 700-page document with their explanation. And you can get the PDF over there as well if you want to Sounds like a waste of time. That. Flatearth.org. Go check them out. <laughs> is that true? Is it really there? Yeah, they, it looks like their website's down to just saying flatearth.org. But... Uh, <laughs> It exists still. Yeah, here it is. Uh, GalileoWasWrong.com. The church was right. The first annual Catholic conference on geocentrism. This is for real, apparently. They're at the Flat Earth Society. Excuse me. $50 per person, including complimentary uh, complimentary luncheon. That's that's pretty cheap for a a convention. Uh, Who else would go? (laughs) They better give away free food. You'll get. You could buy some items for sale: DVDs and CDs of the lectures, books and articles by the speakers. Galileo was wrong. Is a detailed and comprehensive treatment of the scientific evidence supporting geocentrism, the academic belief that the Earth is immobile in the center of the universe. 
Garnering scientific information from physics, astrophysics, astronomy, and other sciences, Galileo was wrong shows that the debate between Galileo and the Catholic Church was much more than a difference of opinion about the interpretation of Scripture. Come to this uh, seminar, and you can uh, and the, the, you can take you, get your picture taken with the the lead speaker there with his uh, clown shoes. Honk honk. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing people still believe this crap. All right, we'll see you tomorrow night. Freetalklive.com. In times of economic instability, precious metals are the best hedge against inflation and can be a great investment opportunity. Bullion Investment Corporation is the gold standard in precious metal acquisition. Whether you're in the market for gold, silver, platinum, or palladium, you can leverage up to 400% by taking advantage of the Purchase Power Program. And don't forget about the low price guarantee. BIC will meet or beat the price of any other broker. Bullion Investment Corporation, proudly serving our clients for over 25 years. For more information, call Bullion Investment Corporation now at 1-888-486-1275 or visit goldbullion.net.